let's pray. Father God, we come before you, we come before your word. We pray, Lord, that as we look at who you are, we would be once again amazed. We pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Last week we dealt with the myth that our sin can become too much, just it can pile up so far that God can't possibly accept us or redeem us, right? And then we, we saw the fact that Paul was proclaimed to be the worst, the chief of sinners, and therefore if God can redeem him, he can surely redeem anyone in this room. This week we want to deal with the American fascination with the salad bar. We just love to have it our way, right? To, to go to the line and pick out just every single thing you want. You take your empty plate and you get to put on that plate just the things you want that taste good to you, right? The beets, garbanzo beans, a little bit of corn, some sardines, all topped with blue cheese dressing. <laughs> I think somebody gagged a little bit in the back there. That doesn't sound good to you? Well, you get to go to your salad bar and you get to pick out anything you want. Make it the way you want it to be, right? The problem with the salad bar is that strangely enough, this salad bar has actually crept into every single aspect of our lives as Americans. It's become a philosophy and an expectation for us. That we can go in and just make everything the way we want it to be. From the customer is always right to Burger King's motto, have it your own way. They'll just do it any way you want it to be. And, and we've, we've, strangely enough, we've reached up and we've tried to grab hold of God and bring him down into this philosophy where we can take the bits of his word that we like and we take, can take the bits of who we might think God should be and we want him to be and we just mix it all up and we make our own version on our plate. And that's who everybody in America says God is. And everybody can have their own, right? Just the way they want him to be. If you don't like what, is God, what God has said, just take that part out. We've brought God into this personalized fast food mentality. If you're too honest to take that part of Scripture out, and you've got to leave it in there, simply reinterpret it the way you want it to be. I can't tell you how many people I've talked talk to, how many times I've been talking to someone, and they say, when they're confronted with the truth from God's word, they say, well, it depends on how you read it. It depends on how you interpret that, right? We've become so desperate to manipulate God into something or someone that we are comfortable with. Just, to, just like it says in Scripture, Romans chapter 1, verses 21 through 23, although they knew God... They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened, claiming to be wise. They became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images 
resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. We want a God that fits our lifestyle. We want a God that is cool with coexisting with empty human philosophies and idols and a pantheon of religions. A God we don't really have to be responsible to because if I don't like that responsibility part, I can just take that out. When we know in our hearts that any God that I can shape, any God that we can form or control, would never be worthy of worship. I think tonight we need to consider or, or perhaps reconsider who God is and be in awe of him once again. We need to do this that the unbeliever might fall on their knees before an almighty God and repent. And that the believer might, might be renewed in our walk. That, that we might be moved to that contrite humility once again and motivated to live out this faith that we say we hold on to. God cannot be dictated, manipulated, boxed up, bound, or tamed by mankind for at least the following four reasons, and I say at least because there are a thousand more. I could keep you here for forever talking about the greatness of God and never do a sufficient job. But first, he stands apart from creation. Secondly, he is not like you or I. He is not like man. Thirdly, he stands outside of even time. Those things that, that draw boundaries for us are not boundaries for him. Because of all these things, he is sovereign, not subject. He stands apart from creation. In other words, he is not dependent upon any created thing for his own existence. He does not need creation in order to exist because he is the source of all things that have been created. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, speaking specifically of Jesus Christ. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and not anything that has been made was made without him. Any made thing, any created thing, any finite material you see around you or look out at, in, look out at in creation, all these things, all the stuff around us has been created by a pre-existent God. Or as Moses tells us in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Not only is this proclaimed to us by scripture, but it's even in logic and reason. As we, as we look at that cosmological argument that we've talked about a few times here in the evening service, where did that first finite material come from? Where did that tree come from? Well, it came from the tree before it. Where, where did that tree come from? The tree before it. The tree before it. The tree before it. You have to go so far back. There's got to be a pre-existing creator, an intelligent designer of all the things that we see around us. It just makes sense. 
there must be a pre-existent source of all we know. We see it in creation, and we know it from Scripture. God does not get hungry. He doesn't need to eat. He is not dependent upon creation for sustenance. As he asks this rhetorical question in Psalm 50, he says, Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? He doesn't need food to stay alive. We need three square a day, otherwise we start to complain, right? God is spirit. He does not require sustenance like we do in order to live. Because he is the source of life itself. He has life in him. John chapter 5 verse 26 tells us that the Father has life in himself. He is the very source of life and existence for us. He is the one who breathed life into mankind at creation in Genesis when he put that man together and formed him out of the dust and he breathed life into his nostrils. And man could walk and man could talk and man could commune with God because God gave him that life. He is the creator and we are the creature, the creation. Creation has boundaries. Scientifically, we look around and we scientists study it, and they know that everything in creation has a boundary. It has a limit. We know that everything around us is limited and finite. And yet God is infinite. God has no end. David tells us of God's omnipresence in Psalm 139 as he talks with God and he says, where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings in the morning and dwell at the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as a light with you. Or as God tells Jeremiah in Jeremiah 23, 23, am I a God at hand? And not a God far away? He is both close and far at the same time. There is nowhere that God is not. He is without boundary and without limit. He is not like any created thing. The earth, as large as we think it is, it is merely his footstool. He is not like mankind physically or in nature and character. God does not get tired. God does not need rest like you or I. I don't know about you, but I took a nap this morning. Not this morning, this afternoon. I wished I had taken a nap this morning. Isaiah 40, 28. God says, have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. The creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. 
as I said earlier, he doesn't grow hungry. He does not need to eat. Unlike us, he is perfect in character, perfect and unchanging in nature. Numbers 23, 19, he says, God is not man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. He is, has he said and he will not do it or has he spoken and he will not fulfill it? God's thought processes are entirely perfect from beginning to end without error. He never needs to go back because he has never made a mistake. He never needs to go back and lie to cover his tracks like we do. He never needs to go back and correct himself in anything, in any way. He isn't like us. He is never tempted, nor does he tempt. James 1.13, let no one, no one, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. Whatever's going on in our lives, God does not tempt with evil. He tempts no one. His ways and his wisdom and his thinking, they are not like our own. Isaiah 55, for my thoughts, God says, are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Here we try to manipulate God into something we can control and someone that we can be comfortable with, and, and yet he thinks and he reasons and he plans things outside of our physical realm and, and outside of our limitations of time because God stands outside of time itself. Psalm 90, verse 2, Before the mountains were brought forth, or you had ever formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, from time eternity past to time eternity future, you are God. His very name proclaiming the fact that he is, I am, he says. Where were you back when? I am. Where are you now? I am. Where will you be? I am. The wonder of God. Psalm 102. Of old you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe, and they will pass away. But you, God, are the same and your years have no end. Before time and space existed, he is. He knows the beginning from the end and everything that will occur in between. Isaiah 46, 8 through 10, it says, Remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors, remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, things not yet done. He understands all, he knows all, and before him we stand naked and exposed in all of our sinfulness. Because as Peter reminds us, do not, look over, do not overlook this one fact, 
2 Peter 3.8. Do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years. And a thousand years is as one day. Time is not a limit for God as it is for man. God exists apart from creation. He is not like created mankind and stands outside of time itself. And as the creator, he is sovereign, not subject. In the words of God himself, Isaiah 44, he says, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first and I am the last. Besides me there is no God. Who is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and set it before me since I appointed an ancient people. Let them declare what is to come and what will happen. Fear not nor be afraid. Have I not told you from of old and declared it? And you are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? There is no rock. I know not any. And Jesus Christ, the, the second person of this triune Godhead, he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God Almighty, at this very moment, actively involved in holding everything together. Every bit of matter, the seat you sit upon, is held together. Colossians 1.17, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Reiterated in, in Hebrews 1.3, he, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. It is not a power borrowed. It is not a power begged for. It is his. Not to be trifled with or mocked. Let us remember that, as we're told in the book of Job 34, if he should set his heart to it and gather himself, his spirit and his breath, all flesh would perish together. And man would return to dust. That is the God before whom we should fall. And yet he doesn't do that, does he? He would rather see the unbeliever fall on their knees before him in humble repentance, recognizing the greatness of their creator and their savior. He'd rather see the saved in contrite humility, living out our faith with a focus on him, not a focus on ourselves. Sharing the gospel and building his church. We should be in, in, in awe of the one who can create ex nihilo out of nothing. Not using the stuff of earth to make stuff, but from nothing. Try to harness such a God. He is uncontrollable omnipotence under perfect control. One of my favorite pictures of this fact is found in the book of Exodus at Mount Sinai. 
when he established that covenant with Israel. And, and if you read it, the mountain, Israel is camped out around the base of Mount Sinai, and, and the mountain, the entire mountain is wrapped in smoke as the Lord descends upon it in fire. The whole mountain trembles. Can you imagine that? The, the rocks must have been tumbling down, the boulders cracking in half. As an otherworldly trumpet sounds, and it, it starts, and then it gets louder, and then it gets louder, and then it gets louder, and the voice of God was thunder. We were just out in, in Oxford, and we were having dinner with the Thompsons, Pastor Paul and Beth, and we were out on their covered porch, and we saw the storm rolling in, and it was just beautiful to watch, and, and the rain started falling, and then, then the, thunder, the lightning started striking. It was pretty out in the distance, and then you hear the boom. And then all of a sudden, about 15 yards to my left, you saw the flash and you heard the snap, crackle, pop. And then the most immense boom that you would have ever heard. I have never experienced anything like it. And I can't begin to describe it to you. I can't be loud enough to, to tell you what it felt like in my chest at that moment. I, I feel like C.H. Spurgeon, who, who told his congregation when he was trying to describe God to them, that, that he felt like somebody who went out in the forest and he found the sweetest honey he had ever found, and then in his excitement to take that honey to his friends and let them taste it, he grabs it in his hands and carries it to them, and by the time he gets to them, it's all run out his fingers. How can I describe this to you? How can I possibly let you know how good this is? How great our God. I can't, I, I just can't, I'm inadequate in spite of all the passages, in spite of all the things I've read to you. I can't even begin to describe to you the undescribable God, the infinite, the eternal. And with this terrible sight before them at Mount Sinai, all that power on display, not one Israelite lost their life when they stood right there. Not one was hurt as they stood before the greatness of God. Do you want to get an idea as to who God is? Go someplace dark where there's no city lights. Look up the stars. And then recall to your mind that God knows every last one of them by name when we can't even discern how many there are. Go to the beach and, and sit on the beach and watch that water roll in and realize to yourself that you are safe because God has put a boundary that that water should not overwhelm that land. God has designed it magnificently. Who is your God? Is he, is he one of your own making? Job. God says to Job and to his friends, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you and you make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? 
Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb when I made the clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band and prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors and said, Thus far you shall come and no further and here shall your proud waves be stayed. Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place? And he goes on and on to humble Job and to humble us and to remind us that we weren't there when he laid the foundations of the earth. And he is the one who stores up the rain and the snow and releases them at their time. Ask the weatherman to tell you that the rain's going to come or the rain's going to go. They were mildly right today. There's only one God worthy of worship. Let's not try to tell God who he is or what he believes or, or what he can or cannot do. Let's not try to manipulate or shape or, or box him into less than what he is because we don't. It, he won't be manipulated by mankind. Though he will allow you in your free will to think that you can if, if that's what you want to think, he will let you exchange the glory of God for images resembling mortal man or, or birds or animals or creeping things. He has given you a free will on purpose that you would freely love him and know him. Though at the same time, it gives us the ability to deny him and to think that we can make him be as we would like for him to be. Do you want to know God? You don't have to take my word for it. Go to his word and learn from him who he is and what he believes and what he has done and will do. That he has sent his son. God himself took on flesh to take your sins and to pay for them in your place at the cross. And then he rose again to everlasting life to give us the hope of the resurrection, the knowledge that we have a promise of everlasting life in Christ and in Christ alone that you might be forgiven washed clean restored and reconciled to the perfect God of your creation yes the the uncreated pre-existent God who exists apart from his creation who is not like mankind who stands apart from time itself who is sovereign and not subject loves you that much loves you that deeply no matter how you've tried to manipulate him no matter how we've tried to assign his deity to someone or something else no matter what we've done to him in the past he wants us to know him today let's pray father god we praise you for there is no other god there is no one else worthy of our attention. 
our very lives. Lord, you knit us together in our mother's wombs. You gave us the breath of life, and then you gave us life eternal through your son, Jesus Christ, and you brought that together, and to you be the glory. May we be in awe of the God that you are. We pray, Lord, that you are magnified and recognized in who we are, in our lives, Lord. Will we give to you every last bit of our, our, who we are ourselves, knowing that you have given us every last bit of who we are. Give to you every gift, everything. For you alone are God. And we praise you tonight in Christ's name. Amen.